Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Uncut Gems podcast. I'm Kevin Kadish. I'm Nathan Chapman. And this is not a podcast about hit songs. This is a podcast about songs that were never hits, that probably should have been, and the stories behind them. On this podcast, we'll be talking to some of the world's most well-known and unknown songwriters about their uncut gems. So if you ever wondered about all those songs that are written that you never get to hear, guess what? You get to hear them now on the Uncut Gems podcast. Today's episode, Emily Landis. You might know Emily from her Gabby Barrett smash, The Good Ones, and Lacey K. Booth, right? With Nathan. Yeah, we put that together. Absolutely. How are you doing this morning? I'm so great. Incredible intro to that oh. podcast. Well, thank you. I didn't have anything to do with it. I was just kidding. <laughs> it's morning for us, and who knows where someone is listening, when they're listening. Yeah, maybe you're driving in your car, listening to a podcast, and you stumbled onto this by accident. Okay. <laughs> so tell us about you, Emily. Emily's a great songwriter here in Nashville. Tell yeah. us about your journey here. Well, that's sweet of you to say, first of all. Thank you for that compliment. Um, I moved here in 2012. I'm from St. Louis, and I came here to go to Belmont. I did the songwriting program at Belmont and fell in love with the Nashville community. I became kind of the girl in college who was writing with all the people who wanted to be artists, but they didn't necessarily know how to write songs. Right. So I was learning how to give an artist a writing voice and how to inject my story in into their songs. And um, I, I was interning everywhere and trying to get my foot in the door of Music Row. It's and, not easy, uh, right? It's, it's it, not easy. Right. Um, but Belmont was an incredible segue to kind of moving from college, writing with my friends to you know, starting to write with people like Nathan Chapman and people who took me under their wing and really taught me how to write songs. Ooh, la la, Nathan Chapman. You know, <laughs> really though. You still have a long way to go up. In your, <laughs> if, if, um, so do you still write with any of the people you wrote with at Belmont? Um, I do a little bit. I have one friend in particular, an artist friend who, um, her name is Cassie Ashton. We met when we were freshmen at Belmont, we were in the same sorority. She dropped the sorority shortly after. She's not quite the sorority girl type, but yeah. um, we. she was really, she has an incredible voice, and I heard her sing a Johnny Cash song at the Curb Cafe at Belmont, and I went up to her and I was like, do you write songs? You're incredible. And we wrote together for four years, and she ended up playing this showcase in front of publishers, and because I had written these songs with her, I got their attention, and she's now on a label and um, she's on Interscope, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interscope and Universal. And she's really, really great. So people like Cassie, I love um, catching up and watching their careers unfold. But I love that. I, I've it, done a, sorry, no, I, no, I've no, done a couple of uh, like speaking at colleges. You know, I've, I spoke at Belmont with the Grammys and mm-hmm. I, I did a thing at Virginia Tech and Johns Hopkins and different places that I've been. And people are always asking me, you know, like, how do you make it? How do you do this thing that we all want to do because the kids sitting there in a college are learning about the music business and learning about doing music professionally, but they're not there yet. And one thing I've said probably every time I've ever spoken is like, don't try and cold DM famous songwriter X. Like you're sitting next to an artist who wants to be Mm -hmm. writing songs and you guys can just come up together like that. You guys have the opportunity sitting next to you in this very speaking hall 
that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. They're just sitting next to you. You just, you don't think anything of it because you, it's just the person you go to it's college sort of with. Build your own crew philosophy. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, well, how do I get in that crew? Well, you don't, you, no. you start your own crew and you, yeah. you start your own writing team and the people you're comfortable with. Yeah. yeah. So I love that, that you guys came up together and then that still and the, writing the publishers noticed you because you mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that is the way to do it. If you go to college, you go to Belmont, MTSU, whatever, and you don't see that opportunity sitting next to you in class, then you've missed probably yes. the whole thing. It's interesting because like Mitch and I, Mitch Allen is one of my oldest friends. We've known each other since we were 15. I used to carry his guitar to get into clubs and mm-hmm. he got a record deal and I had written some songs on his record. I didn't even know what a professional songwriter was. Wow. And I got a publishing deal because of his record deal. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it happens Very more. similar story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Belmont down here is a real minor league team for the music business, yeah. which yeah. would be the majors, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's definitely like a, it's a breeding ground for people in the national music business. Mm-hmm. So once you got out of Belmont and you got a publishing deal sort of adjacent to Cassie, mm-hmm. what's happened since then? So I signed at Big Machine in 2016, and is they, Alex your point person? Yeah, Alex okay. Heddle, yep. Michelle Atardi, yep. Mike Molinar. They were the first people in town to take a chance on me, and they had me writing with everybody. I was, you know, blind dating every day, and we still oh kind of do that a little bit. But I feel like now I am finding my crew and right. having some more consistent co-writes. But those first couple years, I really was learning how to write songs and I was finding my voice. I don't think I trusted my instincts yet. I'm still learning that. It's hard. It's hard, especially when you get in the room with people who have dominating personalities to Mm -hmm. sort of like stand your ground. You don't want to, it's a fine line of uh, getting a bad reputation in town, fighting over a song that might not even matter. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, is this a hill you want to die on? Right. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I I, I get it. I, I remember, um, I was writing with Tony Lane, who is legendary, legendary, yeah. the king of the world, you know, and, oh uh, and a brand new young first just got his publishing deal, Chase McGill, oh. who now has umpteen hits, you know, uh-huh. and I remember Chase pushing back on Tony saying like, no, man, wow. I don't think that's right. And I was think I was like, who is this kid? <laughs> like, this is it's so disrespectful. It's so Whatever weird. Tony says is, right. The ri- is right, you know? <laughs> And we ended up kind of the, the co-write kind of derailed. And I, for a long time, I thought, man, he's just like, he doesn't understand who Tony is and he should have just been, you know. See, but that was me. Hat, I, he I should was, have been hat in hand, oh. whatever you say, sir. And he wasn't. Yes. And then he went on to prove that he was obviously a fantastic songwriter. And yeah. at the time, I I knew he was good at the time, but I was so thrown off by him pushing back against Tony that I mm-hmm. didn't want to hear anything Chase had to say for the rest <laughs> of the but that's session. A, that's the thing about what but we I'm do. But I'm glad like, he did, yeah. But it's, you have to be who you are, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, And if his personality is like, I believe in what I'm saying, you can't fault a guy. I mean, I'm speaking vicariously through him. Yeah. Right. You know, you can't fault him for standing by his beliefs because for him, and he doesn't want to waste a day, right? So totally. he doesn't want to well, go in there and write a song that he doesn't want to play for anybody. And beyond that, but, Tony's not sitting there thinking, who is this kid? Tony's thinking, oh, cool. I can, this is a new a new co-writer. It I, just made you uncomfortable. I was offended for mm-hmm. Tony. Tony right. wasn't, he didn't care. He, well, he can, Yeah, he probably didn't even know Tony, right? And no, I, Chase definitely knew who Tony was oh, okay. and, and everybody's a fan of, of mm-hmm. a songwriter like that. I, it's just funny. Like for me, I was almost like watching the tennis match from the stands yeah. and saying like, 
this guy's toe to toe. And I think that that's the thing that is hard for a new writer, like you're saying. And to yes. talk about dominant personalities, I mean, Kevin, what do you... What are you saying? <laughs> I have a bit of a control streak. Is it control streak or control free? I don't know. One of the you're, two. You're but, freaking your streak, man. Yeah. You're, so, both, you're both of them. But I've never written a bad song with you. And that's. I'm definitely a driver. Yeah, something to that. Right? Yeah. Well, never. I mean, here's the thing. Like, and if this is not about me, it's about personalities, right? This and whole you, podcast is about you, dude. <laughs> well, obviously it's about me, but it's, it's about personalities and finding the personalities that you can work with on a day to day basis, yeah. you know, finding the kind of people that you trust regardless of their personality. Mm -hmm. If you can trust their instincts on a song and you understand them and you have grace for them, I feel like it can work. But if, if you're just annoyed with the way this person operates, you just need to not go back in that room again. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, I mean, Emily, you, for me, and you can't hear these conversations cause I'm on the phone with my publisher or whatever. They're like, okay, artist X is looking for sessions. Like, who do you want to bring in? You're like, you're one of the people on my short list of like, oh, I think Emily would be a good fit. For a female perspective or just in general? Any any co-writer. I don't, I don't know a lot of your songs. So like, for me, it's like, you know, some girls really only write to the female perspective. Totally. And some girls can write across the board. No, Emily's mm -hmm. across the board. But yeah. I, but, and then like, you know, I think it was one of the first sessions or was it the first session with Kate, with Lacey K Booth or it was one it of the was first, one of the first. Yeah. Our first session was with Tegan Marie. Oh, that's oh right. She was probably 12 or 13 years old. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. I just, I mean, below 15 years old, I don't know how you write with somebody under 15. I don't know how they would know what they want to say. I don't know. How did Liz Rose do that with yeah. Taylor Swift? But how was, did that even work? But was Taylor 12? She was 14 when she and Liz okay. started writing So like together. at around 15. 13 or 14 when they started writing together. Right. Yeah. I I'd, look once they're like my, 13 my or 14 people teenagers start to get you know when they hit puberty they have a lot of emotions so no, I can understand it, to me it's not but about 12 how do you how do you write with someone who's 12 they're, I don't know well how do you act with someone who's 12 so yeah. if, you, some people are just good when they're young you gotta have their totally it takes a unicorn probably yeah I mean like I've for me in my Calista career Clark's good and she's yes. 15 though but no, she's 15 she's, she's 16 now but well, she, she was 15 when I wrote with her for, look for me in my career experience I don't count out anyone you know at a, any age Oh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I get it. But a lot of people wouldn't write with Taylor because she was very young and they're mm -hmm. like a 13 year old co-writing session, you know, that's so. Well, she's a natural writer. And, and how many people have said, was it, who was it that we had the other day uh, on, on our podcast who said he passed up writing with Jeffrey Steele? Yeah, Jeffrey Steele. Oh. Said so he got, you know, ah, third, right with a 13 year old, you know, oh, but, man. um, it's like, is the mom going to be in the room? <laughs> like what happens here? So, so you see so yeah, me and you and Tegan Marie. And then I think, uh, uh, was it, it was pre pandemic, mm -hmm. um, like early last year, I guess. And we wrote with Lacey K Booth and I think we got an amazing song. Me that too. Day. Um, is that and, one of the ones you're playing today? No, no. <laughs> She cut it, so she, Dan, it couldn't oh, be on oh, the uncut she gem. Did, she did cut it. Okay. Dan, Huff, Dan Huff cut it, That's which a great, makes it an even bigger cut for me. Yeah, wow. Um, Dan was on the podcast. And it's a beautiful a song. It was on her EP. Um, and uh, But yeah, so sorry, we keep talking and you're our guest and we're talking no, no, more no. than you, so sorry. So you, you came, you started writing. Now you're writing with everybody. You're blind dating every day. That's mm -hmm. where we, that's where we derailed. So. It is a lot like a blind date, right? Yes. Like. But I find these days I, because we do this all the time, I'm just an open book. Like I don't walk in and hold anything back anymore. 
I'm like, let's cut to the chase. Like, I'm going through it. This is what I think we should write. And or that's like, the best way. Right? Sometimes mm-hmm. an idea is placed in your head at a certain time for a certain reason. So I like to trust whatever thing I'm thinking about the night before is probably something we should write tomorrow. Mm. Um, and I find, I take it as a big compliment that you said I can write guy songs and girl songs. I, I like to think my instincts are... I used to be that girl in the lawn seats at the Zach Brown band concert in her right. cowboy boots and her sundress singing along. And I was singing along to Luke Bryan, country girl, shake it for me on the radio in high school. And like, I think my first instincts are that girl. And I try to trust hmm. what she wants to hear or what excites her when we're writing. And as That's far awesome. as a female perspective, I'm a female. And I just like to trust what I right. think and what I would say. I mean, a lot of a songwriting, awesome. a lot of what it is, is writing what, you think yes. right it's writing the your truth. experience right it's, and if if you're an odd bird you're going to write songs that are odd mm-hmm. and if you're a, if you're a normal person you're going to write songs that connect with normal people and it's just it's it's indicative of your personality type the kind of songs that you write and totally. if you're not writing songs that are like the person you are then you are faking it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's really like you're writing from a title and you're just rhyming words and there's no yeah. emotion and it's very like nine to five job. Like, and it's probably watered down and it's not it, genuine right. or authentic. Yeah, and agreed. And I've written enough of those to know that the ones where I trust my gut are the ones that people yep. seem to hold on to. And a reoccurring theme on this podcast is definitely that like when you start writing from your place of truth when you start writing what's natural to you is when you really find success rather than chasing the radio Mm -hmm. and rather than chasing another writer's style like once you figure out who you are that's when you really start to have success Mm -hmm. that was the good ones for me it was totally a learning experience of like all I knew about Gabby Barrett at the time she was fresh off American Idol all I knew was that she had met her boyfriend on the show who she's now married to and they have a kid together and I, at the time, was dating my boyfriend, who's now my fiance. And she had just released I Hope, which is a big, like, yeah. cheating song, middle finger, you did me wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I don't know much about this girl, but I have this idea in my phone. Maybe we could write a love song. And she liked the idea. And I almost didn't throw it out because I thought it was too simple. And I didn't think you there was a know. whole song there. But I just learned that day, like, just write what's real and just trust it. If it's in your phone and it pops out in the moment and you feel like you should say it, just say it. The worst thing that yeah. will happen is everyone's silent and you say, okay, next one. Yeah. <laughs> so have you had any experiences where you did that, but the song didn't actually get cut and you love it? Is there like something you want to play us today? All that's the like, time, you're, Kevin. You're, uh, <laughs> I mean, as songwriters, we all have our uncut gems, right? Mm-hmm. We all have songs that we wish or we not even we wish, we think or we know that if someone heard them, they would be a hit. Mm -hmm. If someone, if you put them out to the masses that people would like them. Do you have a song that came from a place like that with you that you think is your, one of your uncut gems? Yes, absolutely. Um, I sent, sent you one of these songs called Homebody. It's another title that was just in my phone. I was thinking about how I used to be, this girl who would go out to bars all the time and I think I was kind of looking for my person and eventually I met Johnny, my fiance, and all of a sudden I wasn't going out as much anymore. We were spending time at home just because we wanted to be together and this whole song, Homebody, is about um, kind of 
Becoming a homebody with your person. And I wrote this with Jamie Moore and Twinny, two of my favorites in town. Well, let's listen to Homebody, Emily Landis. Who's singing it? It's Twinny. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Let's listen to Homebody on the Uncut Gems podcast. Used to be that girl with the high heels in her hands. After one more, one last round, one more song from the band. Didn't know what I was missing till it was you that I was kissing. Now I'm your bedroom DJ while you bartend in the kitchen. And I can't get enough of your lips on mine Drinking you in like a sweet red wine It's just what you do when you give me those eyes I'm a homebody for your body It's fine by me if we never leave Right here with you is all I need Baby, honestly, I wouldn't want to be a homebody With nobody but you Nobody, nobody To get dressed up Cause I can be a cheap day Tonight we got a reservation Made for two in your place Oh, week I've been waiting For your love I've been craving I just want you all to myself That ain't changing And I can't get enough of your lips on mine Drinking you in like a sweet red wine It's just what you do when you give me those eyes I'm a homebody for your body It's fine by me if we never leave Right here with you is all I need Baby, honestly, I wouldn't want to be a homebody With nobody but you Nobody, nobody Nobody, nobody That's awesome. That's amazing. Thank and you, you know what? What's interesting about that song to me is that it's not exclusive to the country market. I could hear mm. like a Halsey duet with Morgan Wallen or something like that kind yeah. of wow. thing where it could be a cross genre. You know, that's great though. Thank you. That's Twinny singing and Jamie Moore did the track and he's singing the harmonies. And, you know, I don't know. This song is like it's been on hold. It's been let go. Who I, put it on hold? 
I don't. Are you allowed to say? Why well, don't, I don't. I'm Lady not convinced a. she ever heard it. But Lauren Elena had it on hold. Uh, oh, yeah, at least her management. Did. I think Lady A would do a great job with that. Duet. I think the I think the duet would see duets are tricky though because I've had songs that get like oh we're gonna cut that and we're gonna make it a duet. It could be Faith and Tim if they were still oh. making. As soon records. as you say the word duet, just don't plan yeah. on getting cut. Do you know why? Because <laughs> it's impossible. To find two teams that want to work together on a song. On the same label. They have to be, well, you know, it has to be on the same label. No, I, I had a song that was like, we're cutting this song. And then I get a call. Hey, someone said we should make it a duet. I'm like, okay. Here we go. Well, what's Never interesting, I mean, like, why, why couldn't, you know, we live in a world where it's not about album cycles anymore, right? right. It's only about the songs. Why couldn't Faith Hill cut it and have Tim McGraw duet on it just for one song? I Yeah. And, I mean, in a perfect thing, world. The interesting in thing is. In a perfect world. And we, you know, uh, songs are all in various forms. First, they're a voice memo in your phone, and then they're a demo, and then they're a record. And I know that it's not finished. And um, and that's no judgment on no, Jamie. That's no, no judgment no. on Jamie at all. It's just like some, he cranked we get it so, out quick. We get so overwhelmed with tracks that we have no, to do yes. as producers. You just Please. have to get it to sound as good as it can. His in the quick moment. demo beats the crap out of my quick demos. <laughs> but I can tell that there's a record. To Underneath be made. Of there, yeah. There's a record. There's bigger drums. There's mm-hmm. maybe strings that are more, you know, move it. Move, it could even be for I, a movie or something. I think yeah. like maybe that's a reason nobody has caught onto it yet because maybe it needs a demo with a little more well, some movement. People, some people have to be spoon fed the entire record yeah. before they'll cut the song, and that's fine because I'm a songwriter and a producer, and because I, I came up as a producer well before track guys like yeah. you can hear i can hear the record mm-hmm. like and right. that's to me that's one thing that helps me measure whether i dig a song yeah. is if i hear a song that's not completed but i hear the completed version in my head while i'm listening to the uncompleted song like the re- mm-hmm. the real world plays me uncompleted but i'm listening to completed right yeah. in my head that's when i know like i want to cut that or i'm into that so you I, know? I, that is an uncut gem to me i mean i yeah. think it's it's a great song Thank it's a great you. concept i've never i've never heard that song on the radio before. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I love the yeah. the changes. Who thought of the homebody, nobody but you and all that? <laughs> no, no, the, no, 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 no. No, I mean like- Don't we, ask we, me that. No, was that something that was, when you said, <laughs> hey, I've got this in my phone, it's called homebody, and I think I don't want to be, sometimes when a writer brings an idea and they say, I don't want to be a homebody with nobody but you, mm-hmm. like that might've been what you pitched to the so room. So maybe the, the seed of the idea might've mm-hmm. been somebody's, and but again- the other people in the room, they're watering it. They're fertilizing oh, it. Oh, sure. The yeah. sunlight on it. Like, I get, Here's yeah. my question then. You don't have to say who. A seed is just did, a seed. Did the grammatical twist, the little wordplay happen as you were writing it, when you were working on the chorus, or was that something you brought in? I don't think it knocks the other writers for you mm-hmm. to say that was part of my idea. But like, did, did it happen in the room, or was that in your phone Look, before? I've said a million times I had the title to All About That Bass before I... Came yeah. to Megan. It's not. Yeah. Like, it's not a big it's deal. It's no secret. You should own it, right? And Why do we feel ben, weird about admitting? Yeah, yeah, I guess Ben had the title to whiskey glasses when mm-hmm. he came in. I mean, yeah. I don't. I, there's yeah. no. There's no like bad blood created by yeah. something like that. Um, I think I had that part in my phone. The I think that's all I had though. I don't want to be a homebody with nobody but you. Right. And I just thought the title looked good, homebody. And oh, yeah. since we wrote it, honestly, the reason I sent it to y'all for this podcast was because I play it at writers' rounds when I play at the listening room or Bluebird, whatever those little things. And people she just throws it away at the Bluebird, you know, the <laughs> world famous. Bluebird. I've only played there three times in my life, and and it's incredible. But I had to shout out the Bluebird because oh, yeah. that's the one people know. But um, whenever I play this song, 
somebody always comes up to me after and says, I love that song, Homebody. Has anyone recorded that? And then I have to say, no, oh, nobody yeah. has. Well, almost. And, and then I've had like, I've had guys who I've played Riders Rounds with who will be like, do you have a guy demo of that? Could you send that to me? And then Jamie, I had him sing one and we just tweaked the line that's like, I used to be that girl with the high heels in my hands. Now it's, I used to be that guy, whiskey in my hand after one more, whatever. It was yeah, an right. easy tweak. And that's the thing. Like that can be the difference between a cut and not a cut is mm-hmm. that one little tweak. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I, I think it's interesting because almost every song that we play I that hasn't been cut, I think... I want to send that to Keith. <laughs> and I think it's because he's such a good artist. He's, that must be it, He's right? a great artist. He's a great singer. He's, and, so he can and, do anything. And he's a great home for a song. Like yeah. if he'll yeah. cut your song, it's going to go, it's going to be awesome. Who could he but do I that But I could with? hear him singing that. He could, oh. Every podcast, Keith, I'm Man. sorry, every song on this podcast, this is basically should be called the Pitch to Keith show. <laughs> but hey, he, Ke- could crush, he could crush that song. Oh. Yeah. It's a. I mean, he would love the chord changes in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, yeah, he loves. He mm-hmm. would love those chord changes in that song. Yeah, it reminds me of the kiss me. It's very. Oh, yeah. It's almost like very British yeah. feeling. It's almost got this mm-hmm. like very. I don't know how else to explain it. It's like I, I worked with Robbie Williams once, and we had a song that did that same thing, and it was very British. Mm. Yeah. Maybe Twinnies put her little flavor in oh, it. Yeah. You know? Maybe. Oh yeah, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you We've go. We've got a third of the England. Sprinkled in. It's it sounds kind of one third British. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, you know. one so, third muscle shoals. Well, for that's Jamie. amazing. That's incredible. So who's who do who do you feel like your crew is that you're coming to know now? You know Jamie Moore on this song. I write with him about once a week. And, that's great. Uh, after my Big Machine days, I was there for about two years. I signed at BMG with Rakaya Marshall. Okay, who, back blocks. Yes, she's yeah. She's since started her own company, but. She was like the only person in town who was like, don't meet with anybody else um, before you meet with me again. And, and I was like, Rakai, no one's trying to sign me. Like <laughs> that was the little nugget so of you, encouragement I needed. Did you have the good ones then? No. Oh, so she mm-hmm. helped you get that. Yes. She got me in that room and she introduced me to Jamie Moore. And uh, God, if if for all the things Rakai has done for me, writing with Jamie Moore is... He, he wrote Chasing You and May We All, Florida Georgia Line. And he's just an yeah. incredible musician, incredible writer. And I just sit and learn and interject when I need to. But That's yeah. Cool. yeah. And I, I put, I I know Nathan's right here, but I put Nathan up there on that list with Jamie too. Y'all. Oh, well. I, I feel like, I, and I don't I'm, mean to cut you off, but go ahead. No, I just I I feel like everyone's better than me. But <laughs> me too. Yeah. I think that's don't we all think that? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're Which just should, why should, don't we free ourselves of that? Knowing that we all think that, let's let it go. <laughs> yeah. I th- it kinda it makes you try to be better and it makes mm-hmm. you daydream about quitting all at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Terrified and excited every day. <laughs> like I quit and I'm gonna try harder. All <laughs> all in the same moment of thought. Yes. I'm gonna try harder so that I don't have to quit. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm not good at anything. Right, else. I cut you off, Kevin. What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, I don't remember at this point. Oh, Thank well, you, though. I appreciate okay. that. Though. No problem. Well, um, I mean, I think it's important uh, what what Rakaya did for you. I mean, so I had a publisher when I was at Warner Chapel for a long time in L.A. I had a publisher named Judy Stakey, and she didn't set me up on a lot of co-writes, but she introduced me to every A and R person in L.A., mm-hmm. and that was almost more valuable than setting me up on co-writes yes. because it built me relationships that when I mean I could book my own writing sessions, you right. know, like. And honestly, I have ever since it's, mm-hmm. I've never had a publisher keep my calendar in my entire career. Wow! So what's interesting is those introductions to the people that will further your career are almost 
more valuable than getting you in the room with an artist or getting you in the room with another writer who you think you're going to, like you write with a hit writer or something, you think you're going to write a hit, but that's not the way it works. Right. Exactly. You're only as good as the person in the room with you. And if you're the weak link, the song is only as good as you, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't know. I I feel like it's really important that you, you recognize what Rakaya did for you. And like, Mm -hmm. I would recognize what Judy did for me. And, you know, I, I worked for Matt Serletic for 10 years and, um, same thing. Like he gave me nothing but opportunities. Yeah. And it was just, I had to, to actually do the work. Yes. He you, just, you deliver, he but just, they get you. He in the did room. the introductions, mm-hmm. but I had to do the work. Yeah. And she know? trusted me that she could put me in these rooms and she would expect me to, you know, hit it off with these people. And, right. And you, it doesn't work every day, but you no, at least but, show up and. But like you said, it, it's a blind date. So like yep. some blind dates, you spend the entire time thinking of how you're going to get out of here. <laughs> and some, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. It's just the way it is. It's the, And then there are good ones, mm-hmm. you know? And I guess Jamie was one of the good ones. Yeah, right? Oh my goodness. No pun intended. Whoa, I know. see how you did that? You'd be that? surprised how many times people do that now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of love it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that's amazing. So did you play gigs when you were in St. Louis? There was a coffee shop right next to my neighborhood called The Wolf. And every Monday night they had open mics. So I would take, you know, three songs I've been working on or something. And I would, and I'm terrified of performing. performing. It still gives me anxiety. I, it's like a workout. I kind of dread going to the gym, but then when I'm done, I feel great. Endorphins are pumping. That's how right. playing music feels for me. Um, yeah. But I would go to this coffee shop and play my songs and people would react. And I just, you know, got high off that reaction and people yeah, saying like an, they could like relate. An, and yeah. And you get, like, this the, is my diary. People like it. Oh, you're also the center of attention for that yeah, brief moment. And right? that's, I mean, th- who doesn't like this, that? This you like stat, that dopamine hit. <laughs> exactly. This stat I heard, this is, which is, which is crazy is I think it was like 90% of people. The last time they hear applause following their name is their high school graduation. Wow. And probably their wedding but day. But think about that. <laughs> or maybe yeah, if, if they, they get, get married. married. But think about that. Like the last time someone mm-hmm. says, Emily Landis. Wow. When you're crossing the stage in your mm-hmm. high school graduation and- One person clapping sounds about right too. Yeah. Well, she went to a small high school. <laughs> and sometimes they're like, she please would, don't applaud between. We're trying to get through this really quick. It's like, oh, yeah. Think about that. They, you take that away. But then they say don't applaud yeah, uh, between you have to break names. break the rule to cheer. So how crazy is that? That though? takes we, the we, one yeah. time away in your life that you hear pause. You know? yeah. We at least have the opportunity to play shows and athletes have the opportunity mm-hmm. to play in whatever sport they're in. I mean, Or even the, even the opportunity for people to even acknowledge that you did work. Right, yeah. exactly. How I mean, many people work and no one ever totally. acknowledges their Dude, work? Dude, my, my buddies, he owns a, me- a mechanic shop and he gets the opposite. He he is just complaining people, like people who don't want to pay their bill. Mm. Like, imagine that every day nope. after I work. No, I don't have to imagine that. Because <laughs> I've been trying to get Sony to pay me for a producer advance back half for about five months now. Oh, oh good man. God. Well, it's just stuck in the admin somewhere. Here's a nice little edit point for the podcast. <laughs> no, we're leaving that in because Sony owes me money. We're Someone never, from Sony is going to We're never hear paying this. that neither job, man. I, I, fixed their, I fixed their car yeah. and they don't want to pay the bill. Right? Or the they haven't mechanic. paid the bill. They're neglectful of the bill. Well, you know what I, yeah. notice, I notice about record labels, and this is no slight, it's just the reality of it, is that 
the A&R admin department is in a different place than mm-hmm. the royalty department. So like the left hand doesn't talk to the right hand sometimes. Yeah. Like the people who cut the checks aren't the people who crunch the numbers sometimes. So getting paid, it's a whole thing. Yeah, you know? it's a whole thing. Like how many emails have I sent trying to figure Oof. out who do I talk to? Because it's just here's the email I you sent. You said you technically you do not own this recording, and if it's mm. released, I'll have my lawyer draft a letter saying that you don't own this recording. So I would advise that you would pay me. Yeah. Well, You're, I talked to my lawyer about that, and she's like, "That's the that's what, a, you what, never what, want to work again." Say, line. <laughs> what do they say in the political world? The the nuclear option. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That's what that is. Because mm-hmm. she was like, because I know that, and she was like, "No, don't do that yet." She said. She's like, if I get that email as an attorney, I'm so annoyed by that person. Ugh. And yeah. I was like, yeah, but you know, that's the thing about, um, is the record out? No, it's not out, no, but so it's, that's why and <laughs> if they don't release it, you'll never get paid. Oh no. No, that's the truth. Like I, you don't get your back no. in. Well, so I'm, you're not a mechanic because at least mechanics, well, the Shy Carter they can't record the- got released and I still haven't gotten paid. Okay. Well, the other Whoa. one, the other one. So Warner, Warner owes me money. Sony owes me money and Republic owes me money. Is it because you can't hold the product anymore? No, it's you're- because it's because on their list of squeaky wheel gets the grease and a squeaky wheel that could actually make the car stop running will get the grease. I'm a squeaky wheel that they never have to deal yeah. with they just mute me they can replace that part that you allow that to a degree though like you're you're such a nice guy and you're so amiable is that mm. the word is that yeah, the word cuz i like working with people and i don't want to you know yeah. make everybody mad but people are overrated mhm <laughs> i like working alone <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> all right that's that's put a fire today i've got a, like a little bit of time today that's I'm, your homework. i'm going to go i'm going to go yeah. i'm going to go ring some bells today and mm-hmm. say ding 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 mm-hmm. don't don't ignore me anymore. Here's the yeah. thing. Here's the th- never be the down. bad guy. Have your lawyer do it. Yeah. Like you don't have to do anything. Pay your lawyer the $400 for that 15 minute phone call. Yeah. And let her deal with it. So you don't have to be the bad guy. That is the reality of the music business. Perception is reality, right? So people perceive you as a pain in the ass. You're a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. If they perceive your lawyer as a pain in the ass, they you're a professional. It. They expect it. <laughs> <laughs> True. So let your lawyer be the pain in the ass. But that's kind of uh, some bold. That coming from me is ironic because I am definitely the pain in the ass. <laughs> if you, if we asked your lawyer, would he say, are you a pain in the ass? He wouldn't say I'm a pain in the ass. He's, <laughs> he would say that I know too much is what he would say. Right. And it's hard. To- oh, and that, that's a good question. That's a good segue to our, our guest who is here that we're ignoring. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. Um, do you feel like you know a lot about publishing deals? Or do you, are you just like, I don't know, tell me what to sign or Mm. like how much, how much education have you in being a Belmont student? Mm -hmm. How much education do you have about the thing you're actually signing as a songwriter? (laughs) Cause it goes Uh, across. I'm sure there are some legendary 20 number one hit songwriters who have no clue what they're signing for sure. You know, I did take a music publishing class and then they have music business classes how much of that I remember now is more foggy, but I like to think like I can read through the deal and get the gist of options and schedule A's and recoupment and all the words that yeah. we learned. But at the same time, I definitely learn a lot from a lawyer hitting me back with bullet points of why are they asking for this? This isn't usually normal in Nashville. Um, so I, I'm learning a lot as we go. But I, I never have any idea what I'm signing. <laughs> So you trust a really good lawyer. No, he sends it to me. I, oh. I do. I'll call Kevin and be like, can you read this what for me? What does this mean yeah. and what do I do? So Kevin, you know what 
You yeah, know I come from about. a. Do so I need to send you? You some can things. have a podcast of just you telling people how the music business works. That uh, would be important. I don't want to do that. My, I come from a family. No of one attorneys. would listen, but you would. You would be able to fill. <laughs> no. Not not because of the topic, but because no. it's just you. No, no, no. You would be able to fill hours and hours of you going on and on about knowledge of the music business. No one would care. But you are a great friend to have when you're yeah. negotiating. Good so, to know. Yeah, yeah. It's good that you know all that. If you really knew all the the ins and outs of deals, you would never sign a deal. Ugh. Just because of the imperpetuity mm-hmm. rights to certain aspects of your publishing. But here's the thing. Publishers are patrons of the arts. You got to look at them as like, we're giving you money so that you can create your art without worrying about bills. Yes. And so here's $18,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, what? You just said I didn't have to worry about bills. In Nashville? <laughs> here's just enough money to cover your basic expenses, but not so much money that you aren't don't stay hungry to try yeah. and make more. Exactly. exactly. Right? That's exactly that's, what it is. I think is. that's the key to a great publishing deal. It's like, I don't have to worry about paying my bills, but I'm not rich. Yeah, I'm and not if I want to get saving. rich, I got to go to work and write songs. Well, I'm still yeah. hungry, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't even take a draw and I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think, I think it's either in your personality or it's not in your personality yeah. to do that. Here's are how you, I look at your draw, a publishing draw. Here's how I look at it. You are selling 50% of possible future hits. Yeah. Okay. So think about if you had a massive hit that you owned and then you sold 50% of that <laughs> smash, you could probably get a million dollars yeah. for that. Well, that's the hustle though, right? Like, mm-hmm. And, and your publisher is going to buy 50% of a possible hit for 30 grand. Yeah. <laughs> but also you got to look God, at it like the hustle. I got to put it like that. The, the, that's the crazy the thing. The hustle yeah. is to keep you in a constant state of unrecoup though. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as you have a hit, they want to pay you more money. Yeah. So, oh, you're so right. So yeah. once you get more money, they pay you, you have to pay that mm-hmm. back to them. You need so another the, one. It's it's a constant state of unrecoup. Is that's the whole publishing game hustle, which is fine as long as you know what it is and you're signing up for it as as a grown person. Yeah, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, enough about music business. Let's talk about Emily Landis. So, <laughs> we yeah, go ahead. Well, we're, we're talking about uncut gems here, right? I know, yes. but it's funny that it sounded like the intro to the show just then is what it was funny. <laughs> It's the segue back into the show. So tell us about yourself. Where did you go to school? What? Yeah. No, we don't need, we know. She went to Belmont. Weren't you listening? She played at the Wolf in St. Louis. The Wolf. It, Yay. Come on. Yes. And so when you left St. Louis and you came here and you went to Belmont, you got a publishing deal through, sort of adjacent to Cassie. Mm-hmm. You signed from Big Machine to BMG and then Rakaia left BMG. Are you still mm-hmm. at BMG? I'm still at BMG. And who's your point person there? Now? So Katie Kirkover runs oh, yeah. my calendar now. She, She's great. Yeah, they hired her on right around when Rakaia was leaving to start her own company. And Katie is amazing. She, she just, was at Sony. Yes, yeah, she, yeah. she came from Sony and she just picked up right where Rakaia left off seamlessly. And I always say that she's like the spreadsheet girl who allows me to think in like colors and <laughs> sparkles. <laughs> but she's so strategic with who's cutting, uh, who's newly signed. She gets me in all the new rooms and she puts me with incredible people. And she used to write songs and used to be an artist. So she kind of wants to be that person who she didn't have back in the day. And Mm, she's really, 
really doing great things for me. So I didn't, I'm lucky. I didn't know that she was a musician. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh my God. She's been on the road. Uh, she was on the road with Sarah Evans forever playing the fiddle and singing backup. Yeah. She's really? incredibly talented. Did you know that Nathan? I did, I uh, yeah. I didn't know that until meeting her. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's amazing. Well, now we have another person to call for a fiddle if we're making a record. Yes, right? <laughs> yeah. I think she's got better things to do than play fiddle on I our demo. I got asked two days ago, uh, who do you hire for fiddle? So mm. there you go. There's Fiddle's another. making a comeback. I'm so excited about that. All the that. young kids with their 90s influence <laughs> 90s bringing that country. fiddle back. All you fiddle players out there waiting fiddle for the phone to ring. And it's, pedal steel. It's about to heat up. Yes. Yeah, tuba players, put your pagers away. <laughs> That's how long it's been since they've been a tuba player. Would have a pager, wouldn't he he or she? And that's optimistic, (laughs) right? That's the definition of optimism: a tuba player with a pager. Yeah, don't sit next to your landline anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or your fax machine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, so well, well, thank you so much, Emily, for being here. Um, I'm sorry that we had to cut you short today. Oh no, we just well, we'll have you back to do another one so you can play another song because I would love to. We're the excited po- to the hear the podcast it. itself wasn't short. We just we, we just rambled we, about we, the music business yapped. for too long. We did too much yapping and not enough music, music and, business nerds. I like it, but at least we got to hear one of the good ones. <laughs> I think that yeah, song is awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys it's, so it, much. It's really incredible, and and this is not bullshit. Everyone who's come on here who's played us a song has played us at least one that is absolutely undeniable. Oh, and I remember, Nathan, when you called me talking about this podcast, I remember thinking years from now, these songs are probably going to get cut and people are going to be able to go back and dig and hear the demo and hear us talking about, oh, this happened and this happened and it hasn't been cut. I remember you said that, yeah. But I bet a lot of these songs, some of them, knock on wood, put it out there, universe, some of them might go on to be hits and you just never know. Hopefully we have a part to play in that, honestly. Mm -hmm. like That's the whole goal of this is to get people to hear songs and even if they're artists listening to the podcast, listen to the song. Keith. Yeah, Keith. Keith, I'm a big fan, man. I think if... (laughs) Keith's gonna have to listen to this. Yeah. He's mentioned a lot, so yeah. he's gonna even if even just his management will have to listen to make sure everything's right. okay. Well, right. Emily, thank you again so much for being here. Yeah, and thank you. If you want to listen to one of the good ones, it's Gabby Barrett anywhere on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon what, Music. What's your socials so people can follow you if they'd like? I'm actually not on Instagram, but okay. I have a TikTok randomly. It's oh, good. At Emily underscore Landis. I love TikTok, but yeah, I'm taking I'm taking about a year off Instagram and it's been good to me. So it's good. I feel like every time someone sends me a TikTok link, I get dumber. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of that. It's like, like a guy, I try not to spend too like much time on it. A guy <laughs> popping his zits in the mirror on yeah. TikTok. Like, what is this thing? And then the, you're like, what is the internet? If this is my algorithm, what do they think of me? <laughs> what does this say about me? <laughs> but thank you guys so much Mine, for having mine's me. All, mine's Seriously. all crypto and investing yeah. and all. And I don't know how nice. that happened. But. They just hear you talking about it. And yeah. So yeah, they're listening. They're listening. <laughs> yeah. They're not listening to this podcast, but they're listening to your phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. Well, well thank you thank so you, much. That was thank really fun. Thank you guys. It was fun. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Uncut Gems Podcast. We can't forget to thank CAA, our production coordinator, Jason Campbell, and all the songwriters for sharing their story. And remember, the only people who don't make it are the ones who quit. So keep writing, and we'll see you next time on the Uncut Gems Podcast.